Let's pray together, family. Father God, you are the one we trust. You have never let us down. And you knew set your son down here to show us what that looks like in life, in the flesh. We've never caught you in a lie. Our hope is in you. Our life is in you. This church is all in for you. We praise you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we started this series with that little kid on the end of a diving board, paralyzed in fear, trying to figure out a way how he's going to jump. And uh, we asked the question, what's it going to take to get him to jump? Uh, same thing that took those guys to jump off those rocks. Eric talked to us about that last week. Uh, it's a five-letter word, very powerful word. In fact, the first one that says it out loud gets a prize. I heard trust in the back, little one. Come on up here. Here's your prize. Come on and get that. You can get it now or afterwards, whatever you want to do. Good job there. Trust. It's a powerful word. That's the, the number one trait that never changes. It's the only constant we have in our society. Turn me down just a little, would you? It's, uh, it bridges all generations, and, and I love this definition. Trust is the firm belief in the reality, truth, and ability of someone else. Isn't that good? Now, Eric reminded us a couple weeks ago that trust is not something just happens in your life. You have to earn it. In fact, there's four major components to trust. And the first one's character. Eric talked about that a couple, uh, just last week. Uh, followed by competence. Jake's going to talk about that in a few minutes. Credibility is what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning. And then it's followed up by competence, which we'll look at, or connection, which we'll talk about next week. Uh, those are the four components of trust that we need to have. Last week, Eric reminded us that character asked the question, am I worth following? And credibility asked the question, will I do what I say I'm going to do? Very important if we're going to make disciples who make disciples, that we are people of integrity. I read not too long ago that the United States has become a generation that is the most Bible illiterate ever. And I think I believe that. I heard a story about a preacher that went to his church to kind of check out the fourth grade Sunday school boys class, and while he was there, he decided to ask them a very easy question from the Bible. He said, boys, let me ask you a question. Who brought down the walls of Jericho? And when he asked it, there was silence, kind of white-faced. And finally, one little boy in the back stood up and said, preacher, it wasn't me. I promise, man, I, I didn't do it. And, uh, you know, this preacher was just flabbergasted. He said, are you kidding me? He looked at the Sunday school teacher, and he said, can you believe that? And the Sunday school teacher said, I'm going to tell you something, preacher. I've known this little boy for a long time. And if he, he doesn't lie, and if he said he didn't bring down the walls, I, I believe him. Well, now the preacher can't believe that this kind of Bible knowledge, ignorance is in the class. So he called an elders meeting together. And one of the elders spoke up and said, now look, let's not get caught up in an argument over who did what. Let's just pay for the damages of the wall and move on. All right, that didn't really happen for sure. But it is true that we are neglecting the Bible these days like never before. We, we can't afford to do that here. And we're not going to. In fact, we're going to start with it this morning. Let me read a few scriptures. Proverbs 13, 6. Righteousness guards the man of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Proverbs 11:3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Proverbs 10.9, the man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. And then one more, Titus 2.7, in your teaching show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. I mean, it's pretty obvious when it comes to kingdom things, Jesus expects you and I to walk the talk. 
If we're going to call ourselves Christians and we intend to be people who help other people get to a place where they can call themselves Christians, then we better live like it. The problem is these days, man, it is tough. It's getting tougher all the time. Todd Smart says the hard truth is this. No matter how great your personal integrity or competence is, it's not you who gets to determine your credibility. In truth, he says, credibility can only be given to you by other people. And credibility, just like trust that Eric talked to us about, takes a long time to get, and you can, you can lose it pretty quickly. My sister Claudia says, there are three main killers to credibility. And you ought to do her study on leadership because she uses lots of clips and she has a lot of fun with it. But one of the main killers of our credibility is what she calls the crab mentality. And she points out that all fishermen know that if you have a bucket full of crabs, you don't even have to put a lid on them. You know why? Because crabs are so envious and so greedy and so about themselves that they'll pull each other down as they try to get out. Instead of helping each other, one of them gets close, they pull it down. None of them gets, and before it's over, none of them gets out. It's a credibility killer. The second thing she points out is a porcupine. And, and we all know about the North American porcupine. They got those barbs on their back, and when they get stressed out, they flip the barbs and they go into your flesh, and then they heat up and they get infected, and it causes a lot of pain. If you get too many, they can actually kill you. Claudia points out that some leaders, some team members, some Christians carry their own little barbs of envy and manipulation and gossip and prickly words. It's an arsenal of things that kills credibility. Words are powerful things. Jesus said, by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. So words, we've got to be careful how we talk and how we speak, especially in the disciple-making business. And then the third killer that she talks about, and I think you have more fun with this one, wish I had time for the clips, is the mine, mine, mine mentality. And she shows those little seagulls coming down. Mine, mine, mine's a good thing. But she uses a book, David Brooks wrote a book called uh, The Character, uh, How to Find Character. And in it, he talks about the big me. And his point is that we have shifted from a society over the years of a group of people who knew a little bit about humility into a group of people who are all about the big me. And then he uses lots of statistics, but the one that stands out to me is in the 1950s, a group of high school seniors were asked this question, do you feel like you're a very important person? 12% of those high school seniors said, yes, they are. Fast forward that to 2018, the same amount of seniors were asked the same question. 80% said they're very important. That's on us, parents and grandparents. We build a society that we already know about that's all about me. It's all about looking out for my interest instead of the interests of others, like we're told to do in Philippians chapter 2. And my point is this whole business of making the daily decision to live the life we claim we should, especially in Christian service, is hard, man. It's hard. Credibility's tough. And the biggest problem you and I have these days is we have this spiritual Jekyll and Hyde thing going on inside of us that we're good one day and not the next. Paul speaks to this very powerfully and very honestly in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. I'm going to read this to you from the message version. Now, this is a paraphrase, okay, but I love the way it reads. Paul says, I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decided not to do bad, but I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly, it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is right there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's command, but it's pretty obvious not all of me joins in that delight. 
Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything. Nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that a good question? Is there any way out of this, Paul says? I mean, I'd like to be somebody who makes disciples who makes disciples. I'd like to lead a team of people who makes disciples. I'd like to at least be on a team who does that. How can I find that credibility? And you've got to love his answer. Thank God that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something different. Doesn't that sound like life to you? Isn't that good hope? Don't you love what he says? That you and I hope to find credibility and not be crab buckets and not be porcupines and not be mine, mine, mine. The same hope we have for that is the same hope we have in everything else. It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me, I, I abide in you. You'll produce fruit. You'll make disciples. Now, just for the next few minutes, I'd like to look at Jesus' life for a second and see how he pulled this off, how he walked his talk and became a leader of men who actually became a team leader who made disciples who made disciples. And I'm hoping as we look at this, we can be reminded not only that we can do this, but find ways to do it, and also be reminded once again what we sing about every week, that our Jesus Christ is the master and Lord of everything. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was very hungry. I guess he was. The devil said to him, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, take care of yourself, Jesus. Just go with the mine, mine, mine thing here. Trade in a little bit of your credibility for a bite to eat. Now, I want to warn you, that's what Satan does. He finds our weakest moments and tries to take control. Now, you would think Jesus, by this point in his life, would be beyond temptation, right? I mean, he's figured out by now he's the Son of God. He's been baptized. He's spoken with the Holy Spirit. He's been fasting and praying for 40 days, for heaven's sakes. He couldn't be any closer to God unless he was standing right next to him. And still, Satan came after him. You know what that should tell us, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, Satan attacks everybody. Everybody. No matter how mature you are in Christ. So team leaders, <laughs> team members, mark this down and don't forget it. You and I are never going to get so spiritually mature and so busy in the work of the Lord that we're going to be on Satan's attacks. He knows how to package it. Dan Einan was a professor at Cincinnati Bible College for years and years. And at the age of 89, he spoke to chapel one day and he said, Kids, I've been preaching for over 66 years. And I'm shocked and ashamed of some of the thoughts that can come into my mind during communion at church on Sunday morning. I don't know about you, but <laughs> I can resonate with that. I've been preaching over 35 years. And some of the things that come in my mind here, don't look at me like I'm going to tell you what they are. You know what I mean? But the truth is, I don't care how mature you are in Christ in this building, you're capable of messing things up big time. You're capable of doing some pretty nasty stuff. You and I are always going to have to fight this control over the cockpit of our mind. I mean, you look down this list of credibility killers that Claudia talks about, check them off one at a time. Crab bucket mentality, check. Porcupine words, check. Mind, 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 attitude, check, check, check. I'm guilty of all of them. It happened so quickly. I, I could not sleep. It's been about six months ago. I was so frustrated. You know how you lay in bed and you get so frustrated. So about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, I got up. Now, I'm too tired to read, but I'm too awake to sleep, so I turned on the TV. Big mistake. Don't turn the TV on in the middle of the night. 
in my spirit, I was repulsed at some of the things that's on the TV late at night. In my spirit, I'm thinking, man, this is sick. But in my carnal spirit, I'm thinking, well, maybe watch this a few minutes. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? See, I thought if I was a strong enough Christian, I'd be beyond that kind of stuff. If I was a strong enough Christian, that wouldn't be a desire anymore. But again, that's not true. And that's why we should be so encouraged by the Apostle Paul. Here's one of the greatest Christians that ever walked this planet. And he says very plainly in chapter 22, of, uh, verse 22 of that chapter 7, in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law working the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. In other words, I want to be a good team leader. I want to be a good team member. I want to make disciples who make disciples. It's hard, but it's doable, Paul says. Thanks be to Jesus, it's doable. And we should say thank you for that hope. Thank you, Paul, for letting us know that we can be credible people, that we can lead teams, that we can be part of a, a church that makes disciples who makes disciples. Something else pretty important here, team members and team leaders, is the fact that Jesus was tempted at all. I want to remind you that temptation is not a sin. When you get this nasty temptation in your mind, that's not a sin. And, and the truth is, sometimes temptation is actually a call to battle. The truth is sometimes Satan doesn't have full control of your life, and he wants to, so he ramps up the temptation. And if you all uh, are, are expecting or uh, considering becoming a team leader here, or becoming part of the team, or helping this church make disciples who make disciples, because that's exactly what we're going to do, or if you just want to continue to be a Christian, then you've got to remember here that Jesus Christ has got this, and, and, and he can get this thing done. And Satan's going to ramp it up, whether you do or not. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says, we've been crucified with Christ. And sometimes we just got to remember, crucifixion is a long, painful process. And building credibility and doing what we're supposed to do in the body of Christ is a long process. And keeping our credibility is a lifelong battle. Look how Jesus did. I'm almost done. You're about up, okay? The devil says... If you're the son of God, I'll tell these stones to become bread. I mean, Satan is so vicious. This is terrible, man. You, this is nasty. You, you pick on a guy that's been fasting for 40 days and tempt him with bread. That's just vicious. But that's our enemy. The Bible says he's a lion. And a lion always attacks at the weakest place. So you be aware as we move forward together as a team. He's going to attack you in your weak spots. He said, you've got to be hungry, Jesus. If you're the son of God, make this your first miracle. Go ahead and eat something. Somebody described maturity this way. Maturity is the ability to postpone pleasure. That's also what kills the killer of mine, mine, mine. Postponing pleasure. The problem is we don't know anything about that in this country anymore. We're all about instant gratification, instant everything. If your phone doesn't come right up, if somebody doesn't text you right back, if you don't get the app right now, you know what I'm talking about? If we tech, DirecTV has to reboot, I mean, we want everything right now. Don't wait till you're married to have sex. Are you kidding me? People don't do that anymore. Do it right now. Don't, don't wait until you have the money to buy whatever it is you want to buy. Use your credit card. Go take out a loan. Don't worry about the debilitating debt that you're going to be involved with that you've been teaching us how to get out of. You don't wait until you've built up a good reputation. Get it right now. Go ahead and lie on your resume. Don't wait for your money to earn interest the way it's supposed to. Go on down to the gambling boat and get it now. Somebody's got to win. Might as well be you. Don't wait, Jesus. Do it now. You've got to eat anyway. <laughs> Sooner or later, you're going to get some bread. Go ahead and do it now. And here's the thing about temptation. It's doable. 
or it wouldn't be a temptation. Jesus took two, five loaves and two fish and fed 20,000 people. This was chump change for him, but you know what he said? He said, no, I'm not going to give up my credibility. I'm not going to turn control over things to the enemy. I have disciples to make. I have a team to lead. I got a job to do. And God has promised me he's going to take care of all my needs. I'll just wait on him. Thank you very much. But you read the story. That, you know, he didn't let up. The secondly, he tempts him with power. Verse 5, the devil led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I'll give you all this. It's been given to me to give. I can give it to anybody I want to. In other words, just use a little crab mentality here, Jesus. Look out for yourself. Just crawl up the top. You can go right around the cross. You get it without the cross. But again, Jesus said no. So then he tries popularity, verse 9. Devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. It's written, he'll command the angels concerning you to guard you carefully. You lift your hands up and you won't even strike your foot against a stone. Now personally, this is the place where I would have been tempted with the porcupine stuff. I'd have tied into him. But again, we see our ultimate leader very gently say no. And by the way, family, did you notice every one of these attacks... Jesus quoted scripture. And I'm just telling you, man, whether you're going to lead a team here, be part of a team here, help us make disciples, or not any of that, if you call yourself a Christian, you better be in the Word of God because Satan knows the Word of God inside and out. Satan wants you and I to think there's no way we can do this. He's already trying it. Numbers are down, South Union. Have you seen it? Your money's down. You're going to build a new church and make disciples who make disciples? I don't think so. You think you can lead a team? You think you can lead a team? Do you really think you can be part of this? Well, we've seen it. <laughs> yeah, we can. We watch Satan beat this guy time and time and time again. And he's telling us, so can we. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. In other words, might as well jump. Get all in on this thing, because that's where we're headed. One more story, and I'm going to sit down. Years ago, uh, Shug Jordan, famous football coach, was talking to one of his uh, former players, Mike Colleen, about recruiting, helping him recruit players. And uh, Mike said, what kind of players do we want, coach? And the coach, Shug, said, well, you know, you got some players that when you knock them down, they don't get back up. He said, that's not the kind of player we want, is it? He said, no. He said, Mike, you got some players, when you knock them down, they get back up. But if you knock them down again, they won't get back up a second time. He said, Coach, that's not the kind of players we want either, is it? He said, no. He said, Mike, you got some players out there, you knock them down, they get back up. You knock them down, they get back up. You knock them down, they get back up. Mike said, that's the kind of player we want, isn't it, Coach? He said, no. We want the player that's knocking everybody down. <laughs> that's what we're going to do, South Union. I mean, sometimes as Christians, we get to a place where we start talking about how uh, when we fall down, we can get back up. Jesus forgives all our sins. He loves us unconditionally. And all of that's true. I'm just saying from what we saw this morning, what we've been promised this morning, we don't have to get knocked down in the first place. And we need to be encouraged by this example this morning and beat this moron in his own game. And go out and do what we've been told to do. We might as well jump. Let's get all in on this. Do you know what you're doing? We've been working for the last several months on what we're doing. What we're going to work towards with the Big Jump series here. And if you were here at the beginning of the series, we watched a clip from The Bug's Life. 
And it's a hilarious clip, really. At the very, if you weren't here, let me tell you a little bit about it. So these ants are walking in a line like ants seem to do. And out of nowhere, a leaf falls right in the middle of the path. And the ants freak out. They have no idea what they're going to do next, where they're going to go, what's going to happen. They don't know what to do. And, I, and then off the top of the hill, a leader ant comes running down, says, it's okay, calm down, calm down, I know what to do. And he begins to tell them, we're going to walk around the leaf. And they look at him, noticeably afraid, confused, and have no idea how they're going to walk around the leaf. They walk in a line. They don't know what they're going to do now. He said, no, just watch my eyes, don't look away, is what the ant says. It's like he's looking at them and says, I know what I'm doing. I've been trained. I've paid a lot of attention. I know what you need to do, and I want you to follow me. I just, you just need to follow, okay? That type of leadership is what we're looking for. A competent leader is what we need. Do you know what you're doing? Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, you may end up somewhere else. Andy Stanley says, direction, not intention, determines your destination. So you have to have a vision of who you are and what you want to do for this one and only life that you have. Intention will not take you where you want to go, going the right direction, and staying the course is what you need to do. And that's really what we're wanting to do here at South Union. We're wanting to help you do that. So here are a few reminders of what we are doing here at South Union. Some of the things we're going to be starting and things we've had really going on for a while. Are you a teen or a parent of a teenager? I encourage you to talk to Mark Huddleston about our student ministry and get involved in what they're doing. Do you have elementary age children or younger? Talk to Jackie Goss about our children's ministry and get involved there. Are you a parent? Allison Demet, as part of Jackie's team, is leading a coffee talk, a parent group on Wednesday evenings. It's a time to hang out with parents, get encouragement, and learn something new. Are you looking for ways to grow in your faith or connect to other people? We have small groups, Bible studies, and other resources to help you with that. Do you like making people feel welcome? Talk to Angie Kane about the hospitality ministry. It is going to be huge. There's going to be a ton of places for you can help, you can help out in that. Do you have musical talents or do you like helping with worship technology? Talk to Lori about the worship ministry and all the areas that can be worked out in there. Do you need encouragement in your marriage? We have a marriage ministry that is being built. We have a communion team, building and grounds team, safety and security, men's ministry, women's ministry, seniors and grandparents ministry, missions and outreach, college, adult education, and there's more. We have a lot of things we're trying to do. See, we know what we're doing, and that's not an arrogant thing. That's because we've been praying about it. We're committed to this, and we want you to be committed to it as well. Will you go with us? Will you make the jump? We want to invite you back next week, and we want you to bring somebody. At the very beginning of this series, I challenge you to kind of look around the room and see who wasn't here and who needed to be invited back and reminded, hey, you need to get back to South Union. I want you to do that this week. But more than that, I want you to go one step further. I want you to invite somebody else. There's a lot of statistics out there about uh, people coming to church. But one survey, there's all kinds of statistics, but one I want to stick to is over 75% of people that come to church were invited by a friend or relative. Over 75%. It's like less than 10% if like 
I would do it as a staff member. We're going to have two, uh, two invitation times next week. We're going to have an opportunity for you to make the decision to be all in in your faith, like we do every week, to make a decision for Christ, be baptized, make South Union your church home, have a time of prayer. We're going to do that. We always do that, and that's an extremely important part of our service, and we're not going to miss it. But after a time of worship, we're going to go into our second time of invitation, and this is going to be a chance for you all to make a decision to be a part of a team. If you didn't receive the team's brochure as you were walking in, they were on the stools here at the back door, please grab one as you leave. They'll be there next week as well. But I want you to take a moment to kind of look through the different teams we have. Some of them you'll see names next to them. These people are already committed to leading. But you'll see a lot of just the titles of the ministries, but no names next to them. We have a lot of holes, a lot of places we want you to be included in. We want you to take a step forward and say, I want to do that. I want to lead it. Or I want to at least be a part of it. You have an opportunity to make this decision. And we're hoping for a powerful morning. A morning commitment. And a morning that we're all together, together at 1030 to make this jump. Jimmy did a great job talking about credibility and just this whole idea that we have this decision to make. And right now at the end of our service, which is really the center point of what we do, is this time of communion. And this is the time to just slow down and to pause and to think about the sacrifice that was made to make this all possible. The bread represents the body of Jesus Christ broken on the cross, and the juice represents the blood of Jesus that was poured out. It's weird to think the blood made something clean, but his does. Past, present, and future sins, gone because of that. If you have a decision to make this morning, you don't want to wait till next week to be baptized, to make this your church home, to be prayed over, come forward right now. You don't have to wait till next week. But if you'd like to talk, we'll be right up here during our time of communion and worship.